Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We are all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. I'm super excited today to have Polly Downs. She's a London-based exec coach. She works with a variety of clients across the globe business directors looking to achieve their goals, uh, along with groups of leaders within corporations who are looking to get the best out of their people. Polly's got a passion for empowering others to become the very best person that they can be, honouring their ability to come up with the best answer for themselves, drives her approach to coaching. She quickly builds trust and rapport with her clients, allowing them to explore their thoughts and their way of being. She encourages her clients to take risks and to think differently. This gives senior leaders the courage to lead with their own authentic style, which results in more productive and happier teams. She puts in her bio, we cannot see our reflection in running water. It is only in still water that we can see, which is a Taoist proverb. Anyway, I really hope you enjoy today's session. And if you've got any feedback, please do let me know. Can't wait to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Cool. So uh, we're rolling and the, the light has gone red. It's lovely to have you join me, Polly. Thank you. It's great Thank to you. be here. Yeah, thanks for joining me. And uh, we were kindly introduced by a previous guest, Katie, uh, Katie Walton. And hopefully the listeners who are religiously listening to every episode will have heard Katie's uh, Katie's podcast, which was actually really great. She did uh, six areas for getting the very best out of your people. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, So how do you know Katie, Polly? Um, Katie and I are both coaches and we did a course together on team coaching probably three or four years ago. So we've stayed in touch since then. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, she's, uh, she is lovely. And we um, co-host a uh, networking group around our way in Peterborough uh, called HR Connect Over Coffee. And mm-hmm. it, 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 there we, we, we sort of uh, invite people in the HR L&D world to come join us for educational sessions and, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, she always does a fantastic job. She's a very good host. Yeah, <laughs> so, she's amazing. Yeah, in fact, she taught me everything I know. No. <laughs> um, so Polly, um, it's fantastic to have you join us. Are you able to just share with the listeners? I've done a bit about your bio, but just share a bit more about sort of what you do and, and, and how you help people with your coaching. Um, So I'm an executive coach, which really means that I coach people within a corporate setting. That's what I've always done for the last five or six years. But since lockdown, I do what everybody else is doing and slightly pivoting. So my largest client was always the National Theatre. And obviously, theatres aren't doing particularly well. Don't really seem to have any business at the moment. So that 
I'm needing to pivot and find other work. So I'm doing a lot more work with one-to-one people and um, coaching groups, small groups of people for support group coaching. So it could be people being made redundant or parents struggling with um, the whole new thing of trying to work from home whilst having kids running around the house and trying to help with schooling as well. So yeah, yeah so, kind of anything. I think the thing about coaching is you can support anybody at any stage of their yeah. life if they want it. That's absolutely fantastic. Do you know what? It's uh, yeah, a big challenge. We've got four at home and uh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to run a business and homeschool is, uh, yeah, it's pretty challenging to be fair. Pretty challenging. Yeah, and uh, just just before we came on the camera, uh, Polly gave me some really good feedback that I look like a rugby player with like the branded background from like <laughs> an interview afterwards, which is the first time I've heard it, and I'm feeling dead chuffed with that. <laughs> it's uh, it's just yeah the corporate branding, but we've always uh, the the business. I've always tried to make the business look a bit bigger than it is, um, and uh, I probably shouldn't tell people that, but hey, you know I'm quite honest, so it's part of uh, part of one of my visions and, and values as well, Polly which actually it's one of yours as well and I'm really really excited to hear about your six areas for business success uh, which include acceptance honesty uh, responsibility authenticity simplicity and fun they're all really great great areas for us to discuss so we'll kick it off and and you're able to just explain to me why, why you feel acceptance is so important Polly yeah I mean I chose those six things more to do with kind of individuals within business so I feel like if you crack these things individually about yourself then you're in a really good place to be a leader or run a business or really be effective within any business so acceptance I think so many of my clients are desperate to change who they are but it's often it's a real sort of core thing about who they are that actually once they get to the stage where they accept that they do like themselves and they are okay and being okay is enough then I think life opens up to to them and opportunities are open up to them and um, in a way that they just won't if you're constantly being really hard on yourself and yeah. you know, thinking you should be much better I'm not saying there's not room for improvement I think that's a life's work we could constantly improve but I just think accepting you know who we really are our you know, deep inside who we are is a really strong position to start from Brilliant. I, I think I need to be really careful that I don't turn this into a coaching session where I get coached. <laughs> there's, there's a real tendency with the podcast where I can end up being just coached by fantastic people that I get onto interview. So, but it's, it's interesting uh, acceptance. I totally agree with. Uh, it was interesting. I I went through my early twenties and mid twenties, not really knowing what personal development was. Um, I was working in a, a sort of small to medium sized privately owned business. And whilst I wanted development opportunities, I wanted to grow and get a better job and be promoted. I didn't really know what was entailed in doing so until I moved to a bigger organization where there was a clear learning and development plan uh, yeah. and succession planning as well. And I started reading a lot more professional development books. And initially, I felt like I was starting to lose my way a little bit because I was a bit like, oh, I don't really know who I am. You know, this this psychometric test telling me this thing and all of them, I always come out really red, hard driving, sort of pushing uh, along. And I guess I've learned to accept that over time and that I do have I do have my vulnerabilities in that and mm-hmm. I recognize those. It's interesting because I, I, I kind of went to this place where I thought, I don't really know, like, I'm trying so hard to develop my weaknesses that I found it quite hard to sort of accept 
potentially really who I was and I saw that what why aren't I more this way because actually I could be more successful and what what do you sort of think to that Polly when you find people uh, who have got that sort of clash in their heads I think it depends on which what it is that you're addressing in the context so for example I'm trained in um a psychometric which is about emotional intelligence called EQI um, it's EQI 2 and EQI 360 and within that there are kind of 15 categories of your emotional intelligence and when I thought well I'm a coach my emotional intelligence is going to be really high <laughs> and then I did it and the thing that I, the one that I was quite surprised about was my impulse control is really quite low compared with my other scores. And so I thought, oh no, that's, you know, that's low, that's really bad. And then as I have thought more about it, I feel like that's, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I have low impulse control. It means that I can think on my feet, I can be spontaneous and spontaneity leads to so many opportunities, whether it's kind of socially to have fun or business-wise it's really helped through lockdown to be able to just change you know change direction quickly um so I think things you know when you mentioned psychometrics things are not necessarily what they seem and if you see like the kind of red type a that you can instantly think oh no that means I'm really controlling and bossy and you know fast need to get things done but actually when you filter it down there'll be real advantages to that and there are always areas for growth and areas to improve on but I think you were just saying that you kind of had that crisis when you started looking at self-development things of oh no who am I and I don't know if I like what I see so I think that's the sort of situation where if you just accept what you see but then you have complete control over what you decide to tweak or change or dial up or dial down yeah yeah and and do you know what i think as as i've focused more on developing that is that is absolutely something uh that i've realized i can do it really you do have a choice there's there's preferences and then and then you kind of have a choice where uh the the way in which you react the the 15 uh system that 15 way system that you were just discussing sounds quite interesting i don't think i've come across that uh which will probably make me sound like a bit ignorant so apologies for no that. it doesn't at all it's but it's about emotional intelligence and some yeah. I'm really rubbish at remembering numbers but it's something like 68% of good leadership is down to emotional intelligence not kind of IQ intelligence yeah. and so with that in mind um, there are these 15 subcategories of emotional intelligence and it starts with self-regard there's things to do with your kind of self-expression and then how others how you view others and then decision making and stress management so all of those things kind of come together to and feed into each other um to make you really a good leader or but you can see through this psychometric you can see your areas for improvement oh awesome awesome that sounds really interesting to be fair i think i need to check that one out i need to yes, give that one I'll do, i'm very happy to do it with you let's oh amazing <laughs> amazing let's get that booked <laughs> awesome Awesome, cool. So um, moving on to sort of the second area, following acceptance and onto sort of honesty and um, honesty as a leader as well. Um, I've, I personally have come across the and realised sort of how important that is, but are you able to just sort of crystallise that for us a little bit, please, Polly? Yeah, I, mean, I think when you just said honesty as a leader, I immediately thought of Boris Johnson and the government through the whole crisis. And when the pandemic started, I don't know if you remember the daily briefings, and there were often the um, scientific advisors and they'd come on and they'd be really honest. I don't, I remember thinking, wow, they're saying we don't know. 
we really don't know what's going to happen next. We don't, you know, but this is what we're going to try. This is what we think is going to work. Um, but then as time went on, there was a sense that that kind of honesty wasn't happening anymore and that things were a bit more covered up and they weren't being sharing things quite so much and I think at that stage I lost trust in what you know in the system and I think that's a really good example of leadership you know if people are know that their leaders are being honest with them about what's going on in the organization they're it makes you feel safe and you know, safety is absolutely imperative to good leadership and, okay. I, and again honesty in ourselves with ourselves so that's really difficult, I think, to be honest with ourselves about both about our emotions and our capability. And some people are really good at like thinking they're brilliant at things. And actually, honestly, they might be quite average. And other people think they're absolute rubbish at everything. But honestly, they're quite average. So it's a it's a, it's about self understanding, I think, as well. But and vulnerability, you know, being not being afraid to say that you're not so strong at something. Yeah, and other people are better yeah yeah absolutely and uh yeah trust and honesty are so intrinsically linked aren't they and building trust is is hugely important if uh, if you want people to follow follow what you're saying and and the, the way that you're trying to lead um that massively my imposter just came out then and I've had to push it back down again so uh <laughs> when you when you've just gone about people a uh, lot uh, with over over inflated self-confidence and um as soon as it, it's interesting that because that, that just brought out the imposter straight away and me sort of saying, who am I to host a podcast and speak to you and, and, and have, have a podcast, which is strange, isn't it? And I have to yeah. sort of push that back down because actually I'm not, you know, there's nothing really any different about me. It was just something that I really wanted to do. But a lot of people will perceive that, you know, I believe that I'm better and that I should have a podcast. And it's not so much that I enjoy having great, good quality conversations and developmental conversations with people who have got mm -hmm. different skill sets. Yeah. And you've just been honest about the imposter, which, you know, that is, that's reassuring for people to hear, isn't it? That they yeah. might see you as able to sit there and do a podcast and they think I could never do that and you're actually saying you feel a bit like that sometimes but you've just taken the risk. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then and then particularly like the way the way you called out that, you know, that people I, I suppose I've always had a, a level of self confidence, but not so much I think there's it and, and how I articulate that's probably a bit of a challenge, but around the fact that I don't believe I'm I'm great at anything but I've got the confidence to be able to just have a go at something and actually fail at it if if it's total garbage you know like so what nothing ventured nothing gained I suppose yeah yeah and so that's quite you a risk taker to a certain degree and and I think that's where honesty as a leader really helps because you can you know say I'm willing to take that risk but if you're honest that should allow your team to be able to say actually I'm not prepared to take that risk or since you do I'm going to do it but this is uncomfortable for me and I think that honesty works both ways so I think you know when it comes to people who are reporting into their leaders being honest that makes such a massive difference but as we've already said they have to feel safe in order to do that because otherwise if there's an expectation that everybody's brilliant at everything it doesn't lead to very honest behaviors does it everybody's yeah, trying to be yeah, bravado bravado wins <laughs> yeah and covering up mistakes and blame but you get a blame yeah. culture then don't you definitely yeah fantastic yeah, okay do. yeah cool and 
for the for your third area and actually this this for me really really resonates about responsibility and i i personally believe that that's so important for a leader because i've I, I can think of clearly defined examples where I've been led by people who are unwilling to take responsibility for themselves and how demotivating that is for me uh, or has been for me when I've worked alongside them. Um, however, on the other hand, the level of responsibility that some people have taken and particularly even when I've made a mistake and I'm blaming myself and they go, no, do you know what? I'll take responsibility for that because I've not explained well enough what I required or, or you know, I've not developed you well enough. I'm not giving you enough training, and actually, I'll take responsibility for that. And how how much safer that makes you feel as a as a team member. Yeah. So, I hope I didn't steal your thunder there. Actually, no. yeah, but that, that's kind of. I guess. I guess that's just my perspective on reality for for responsibility. And and it, is that one that you share, or do you see it sort of slightly differently? Yeah. So I think in teams, then responsibility really needs to be shared. But ultimately, you would hope that the leader will take responsibility for whatever happens. I have one of my clients, um, she's very senior in a very male-dominated industry, and um, I'm always surprised with her because she doesn't give enough responsibility, I'd say, because there's a kind of, she has this need to understand every detail of every single thing that her team are doing. Um, so I feel you know, when, as she's given her team more responsibility, they've really, really grown. So there's, again, there's trust both ways, isn't there, with responsibility. You need to be a response, responsible for yourself. Everybody in a team needs to be responsible for their own actions. But that you know, really the leader needs to make people know that they'll take ultimate responsibility. And yeah. it, it depends very much on the business, doesn't it? If it's, you know, there are... Uh, there are jobs like if you're working for the NHS on the front line mm. you really do need to take responsibility for everything you're doing to a great much greater degree than if you're in an office space and yeah, working yeah. on an advertising campaign absolutely yeah and to be fair some, sometimes I feel like I've got the, the world on my shoulders with responsibility but actually that's a good level at a, when you when you equalize that with some of the decisions that people in the NHS are having to make and you realize that actually do you know what? If I spend ten pound over here or ten pound over there, what's the big deal, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm, no one's going to die. Um, yeah. So, excuse me a minute because I did put myself on silent because the ice cream van's going by. <laughs> so, do you want an ice cream? Ninety nine flake. I'd love one. Thank you. <laughs> the weather is good enough. To be fair, at least it's not pouring with rain, which is normally the time the ice cream van comes out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, how rude of him to have not known I that know, we were recording, um, right? Or not bring ice creams in. And the other thing I think about responsibility, so I'd see a lot with my clients, um, I think of not taking responsibility for their part in a relationship. So it doesn't need to be a working relationship. It could be any relationship, but there's a lot of not, of kind of blaming, as you were saying earlier, of it's not my fault. They do this. They do, they, you know, if I don't have what I need to be able to do it. And I think once we get into the mindset of actually it is my responsibility and I can control this situation, then I think it, things are so much easier. We do feel more in control and more able to make decisions. Definitely, definitely. And uh, that, that really resonated with me. And actually, I've, I've shared it on a couple of recent podcasts. So people who do listen, I don't think anyone does listen religiously, so it's cool. I'll probably get away with it. They'll only ever listen to one at a time and then probably get switched <laughs> off, right? Uh, but responsibility. So I, I love that as part of an equation. If you come across E plus R equals O, so E is an event, and then 
so we have no control over an event and then yeah. we have our responsibility so our ability to respond and and take responsibility for the action that's taken off the back of the event and then that equals o the outcome and uh, we're able to create a positive outcome or a negative outcome based on the level of responsibility we're willing to take and actually how we respond and uh, i've always found that quite a powerful uh, and i suppose empowering point of view in that accepting that sometimes you know shit happens right and yeah. uh, and we've got to take responsibility and for ourselves and for our, for our actions and how we choose to respond to those so yeah i I thrive with responsibility. I really enjoy it, but I think that's a character trait that's probably also the the sort of flip side of that ability to take responsibility is the control element, like you say, and actually pushing back and giving responsibility back to my team is certainly in in my leadership roles in the past. That's something that I've I've, I've struggled with because I do whilst taking responsibility, I also take control. Yeah, and I think we can learn a lot from children so some of the work I do is around is with parents and around parenting coaching around parenting and one of the um, four basic developmental needs of children is the need for responsibility so that could be with a five-year-old getting making them in charge of filling up the dog's water bowl or making their bed in the morning or something it doesn't even have to be that big but taking their plate away from the table for instance and I really think those needs map into adults as well so I think there is a need for responsibility but depending what else is going on in our lives um, that responsibility need can change it's a huge spectrum and so when people go to work after back to work after having children the first few weeks they tend to not want responsibility and just to feel safe and settled in and realize they're still they've still got a job and they're still being respected for their ability to do the job but then very quickly they need responsibility and if they're kind of slightly being patronized or looked after by not being given their role proper role back because people think they might not be ready that can often cause a massive reaction yeah oh, yeah, yeah fantastic do you know what parenting tips as well this is amazing <laughs> i've definitely taken that one home you need well, to fill the water up on the dog bowl i love it <laughs> i always feel a little bit of a um fraud when it comes to my parenting coaching because i've got three teenagers and they're far from perfect and they would definitely not say I'm a perfect mum so I can tell you all the theory putting it into practice isn't quite so do you know what it's it's totally true though and and my four are all so different as well they're massively different and their own little personalities and some of them really thrive on a bit of responsibility and one of them's just really lazy and I'm, you know who you're talking about if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> cool um okay awesome so responsibility yeah hugely important so the fourth area is around authenticity um and, and how important that is and that's something that I consciously focus on so um why is, why is authenticity so important for you Polly well we have we've covered it quite a lot and it kind of comes under all the other things as well but it's I just think as a leader being your true self at work is just so important that's where you get the most respect and I think we're all full of suspicion of somebody who doesn't quite seem themselves and I think 20 years ago a good leader would come to work in probably his suit because it would most likely have been a man come to work in his suit and you'd know very little about his family or what he did at the weekend and he'd just come to work and do his job and tell you what to do and that's it 
all this statistics show that the real person leading gets the real results and you know, builds their rapport with the team. And that comes to, into your values as well. I think being authentic to your own values, um, allowing yourself to do your job based on your own values. So if you don't agree with the company values, really working out why. And actually, is that the right job for you? If you're working for a business where you don't agree with their values, that's not going to lead to a very fulfilled career for you. Um, So there are some big questions under authenticity, I think. And it's quite a luxurious place to be able to be. And I think it takes a lot of work to really be able to be truly authentic, to to even know your own values properly, um, let alone make sure you live according to them. Yeah, I've loved writing my own business's vision of values because I was so against a company that I worked for's values. I think if a company, and and this is feedback for companies, and you might not agree, Polly, so I apologise if you don't agree, and I'm using this opportunity to voice this opinion, but I think if a company needs integrity to be written on their wall as a value, they're in in serious problems. And um, and I, I was, to be fair, talking about it sort of just triggered me because I felt really let down by a leader or or one of my leaders uh, previously because I'd had a what I believed was a confidential conversation around a lack of direct leadership from a direct leader I'd I'd sort of had a bit of a bit of a challenge and um, they decided to share that openly with the person that I'd spoken about no no sort of uh, agreement from me as to a strategy to approach it um, just that it had been left that they would consider it and come back to me and they, they hadn't and just taken it to them and, and actually used the values of openness and honesty and integrity as a as a clause or a get-out clause for having done so. I felt massively let down. And wow. that was it. That was it. That was like my death certificate signed. It's like, you're dead uh, to me now. I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> it was savage. I think those kind of company values need to be, they need to be honest, don't they? Yeah, definitely. That's yeah, that's the and I think so often it is just somebody who thinks, oh, let's just make, let's do values, let's make them this. And actually, the real way to get values is as a whole organisation coming together, talking about what everybody believes in, because that's how you motivate the whole workforce. Yeah, definitely. I think um, for for me, authenticity is is I, I guess that's what I find so liberating about working for myself because I. And I found that I, I personally found that, and you know, corporate life might be for some people, and I'm not saying that it isn't the right route because it absolutely is for some people, and they'll find a really rewarding career for themselves if they find the right company to work for. But I find I found my experience was quite stifling um, and inauthentic, and the politics yeah. as well really, really sort of I found a real struggle. But again, that that's probably just my character type being uh, hard charging and a bit dominant and wanting to sort of make my own decisions and, and what have you. And you know, I think I thought I think I thought it was financial, financially driven that I wanted the the rewards of working for myself and running my own business. But actually, in reality, over time developing myself, I realised it's not. It's about freedom and freedom of choice. Mm, yeah, really, and really I think hard. authenticity really allows that and as you say lots of organizations really stifle authenticity but lots of the organizations I'm with really encourage it but they are investing in coaching so they're kind of they are a certain type of more open-minded broad more broad-minded organizations I suppose but um 
you know, authenticity is where you get the best out of people if they can come to work and be their authentic self and say what they're really thinking. And also I think tied into authenticity is vulnerability. And, um, you know, if leaders can be vulnerable, that is just such a huge help in terms of building trust and making staff feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And and that's so true as well because so I've worked in real male dominated environments before as well. And there's nothing, no way, quicker way for me to discredit somebody than than kind of hiding behind rules and hiding behind uh, oh, that's just the way it is. Just, you know, just be honest and just go, because that's the way you want it, mate. You know, just if yeah. that's how you want it, just say, look, it's because I get to call the shots and it's my decision. So yeah. stick it, you know. And actually, I'd have way more respect for that if someone had the confidence or, or the even the bravado to just go, no, this is how it is. And I think this is right. And I'll stand on that. And actually, do you know what? You've taken, it links to responsibility, doesn't it? You know, if you're willing to take that responsibility, do you know what? I'll follow because you're adamant and uh, that's cool with me. So let's go with it and you take responsibility and I'll help you. So, which is a lot of leadership. There is, there is the other, I mean, the flip side for all, for all positives, there's always a negative. I'm I'm having visions of you saying that in your male dominated workforce of everyone saying, no way. I hate that idea. I'm not doing it. I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) So there is, there's a middle ground, isn't there, between kind of you know, the way you say it and understand. But with a good leader, you'll be able to speak your mind, and yeah. but you will respect the fact that there is a job that needs to be done, possibly in a certain way, but it could be changed in future. Yeah. No, perfect. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, oh, do you know what? So many memories flooding back now. I can't share <laughs> them all. I'll just end up hanging myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no but i don't think many of them listen it'll be fine okay cool so the fifth area is around simplicity and uh and, and the importance of uh of simplicity so um can you explain that a little bit more for me please polly i think there can be a real sort of danger as a leader and also as individuals to kind of to talk things through at such a complicated and in-depth level and I just think generally speaking when we're thinking of what we need to get done or what's the kind of ultimate goal or even down to like life day-to-day life at home when you boil things down to the absolute the simplest form it just gives you such freedom I think to make bigger decisions and think from a much broader perspective so I feel like you know in coaching often somebody will come with a problem and I'll keep asking questions. So this huge problem that we'll dig down, dig down, dig down, dig, dig down. And the, the real problem at the bottom is so much less complicated than the thing that's been troubling them. You know, but like when you wake up in the night really worried about this thing that's totally, un, you can't even think how you're ever going to solve this horrendous problem. And then by the morning, your brain's like, why was I worried about that? It's only I just need to go to the dentist tomorrow and my toothache will be dealt with. I'm not going to lose all my teeth in 24 hours. But, you know, our brain goes crazy. And I think we're really, our brains are really bad at doing that whole sort of overthinking. And then there's also something, I think, in the leadership role where you can try, you know, you're so desperate to make everybody see that you know what you're talking about and that these important things are discussed you can overdo it and I think just the simple approach is nearly 99% of the time the most effective approach yeah I love it so so important 
it's uh, and, and in application in so many ways as well because I've had a tendency of overcomplicating stuff unnecessarily and particularly in my own head <laughs> uh, yeah. particularly in my own head even around even around my business as well um, you know I overcomplicate the marketing I overcomplicate my message to customers or to clients I overcomplicate my processes you know I've had team I've, I've sort of grown my team recently and realized that actually way I do things is overcomplicated and why isn't it simpler and sometimes just taking a step back is and 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 understanding why why we do stuff and the root cause and and doing a bit of a root cause analysis can can make so much impact I think um you know feedback I've had in the past is that I you know asked my wife what what's what am I really good at what am I best at and she she said actually simplifying something you know something that's complex and just making it simple and easy to understand which is kind of good I suppose considering I've done training and been doing training for a while which is great that's good feedback right but yeah sometimes I look at stuff and just think you know what why why am I like over analyzing that why is that such an issue let's just keep it simple Uh, I uh, I have a bit of a mantra from a from an ex-Scottish colleague of mine he used to call it kiss keep it simple stupid <laughs> which I, I uh, which I do repeat to myself occasionally. <laughs> I think we can fall into overcomplicating and dramatizing things yeah. in you know everything. Like so, going back to the authenticity, if you wanted to have a conversation with somebody in your team to say that, um, just something really basic, like to get to work on time. That say this is a conversation. You can go through your head at all sorts of ways that this conversation is going to go and you know a million different assumptions about why they're late or whatever and then you could just actually if you strip it down to the straightforward thing why do you care that they're late does it even matter that they're late what is what do you need to know and then you can just have a conversation that is I notice you're late most of most days of the week what's going on and they're like oh it's just that I have to drop my kids off at school at nine and I can't get here till 9.15. And then you have the solution. Whereas you could have spent weeks worrying about what if they kick off and we have a massive argument and they're saying I'm being unreasonable. And, you know, that was a really bad example. But there are lots of, there are so many of those things, aren't there, where we just overthink and over worry. And if you take the emotion out and strip it down to the facts, there isn't really that much to worry about. Yeah, 100%. And I've found that certainly in the past where I've had anxiety over having a particular conversation, you know, despite being um, sort of having the character traits of being dominating or hard charging. Actually, I I personally have struggled with having tough conversations and having developmental conversations with people um, because I kind of second guess myself. I sometimes think maybe I've got it wrong or maybe, you know, I guess if you believe that you're a perfectionist and that you've got high expectations and sometimes you have too high expectations of other people. So you kind of second guess yourself. Um, And actually I think if you ask, or in my opinion, sometimes the best questions are the simplest, aren't they? And you just ask a simple question and you can actually get a much better understanding of, like you say, why why is that person late? For example, Um, when you've worked yourself up into a frenzy that you're going to have a, have a have like this big 12 round boxing match and it turns out <laughs> yeah. that actually it's just something really straightforward that you can try and work together through yeah, yeah. and yeah. even why does it matter I think that's often you know we're kind of stuck in this thing of everybody should be at work on time for example and then think why does it actually affect anything it's not like they need to press the button to open the factory at nine o'clock 
they are just in a desk job and it doesn't make any difference whether they're there at 9.15, they can just work an extra 15 minutes. So I think there are, there are lots of those things where it's easy to just carry on without questioning the system. A risk of a risk of sounding really really chilled out. I um I got I got challenged on uh, my my new people starting in the business who, who are doing a fantastic job by the way. If you're listening, you're doing awesome. They've been working from home, and part of the deal is that we're going to look to keep them at home as much as possible. And I had some pushback from from sort of colleagues and other business owners about how you're going to know that they're being busy and how you're going to know they're being proactive and. I've thought for a long time, and I think that was one of the things that frustrated me when I was employed was, and I've had bosses that were so hell-bent on like, it's like five to six, you should still be here and carrying on until six o'clock. And actually, my work doesn't finish just in five minutes. Like, you know, why, why, I've, I've never, I've always struggled with like, why isn't work an outcomes-based Mm. proposition rather than you know uh, a time a time coverage and I understand there are peak times of the day where you've got client demand and I understand in the case of a shop or you know when you're open for business and when you're closed for business there's clearly defined times um, where where a business needs to be operational and operative and technical staff need to be there in those time frames regardless of how productive they're being there's a necessity mm-hmm. for them to be available to work and 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 that makes absolute sense to me but certainly in sort of a lot of other other roles um you know particularly around administrative functions around sort of uh, leadership functions really we should be focusing so much more several so much more heavily focused on outcomes and 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 work around you know what what outcome is it that we want and then what you know a lot of these conversations around time and going on lunch and coming back from lunch yeah. and what have you like what does it matter yeah and it's all it's down to trust isn't it and you know, just because you're all sitting in the same office that doesn't mean they're being productive people could just be there doing their online shopping and facebook and stuff like that just because they're in the office and we all know people who do do that from when we've worked in offices you know that there are lots of people like that so I'm totally with you on the presenteeism thing it's always been a big gripe of mine and lots of people are a lot more productive at home they're usually far less distractions unless you've got all or children yeah. well yeah no, exactly and, and my problem's normally the cupboard actually to be honest you know, <laughs> I have uh, <laughs> I have the appetite of a rugby player even if I definitely have the background of one um, but yeah I just uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, it's actually better for me to come into the office when it comes to food or my waistline anyway um, but yeah it's um, you know I don't know it's, it's fun you know so right okay so the last area is, is fun and actually um, Oh, I know the point I was going to make. It went then, but actually it's come back. And it was one that I really wanted to make, and that was around business owners and employing people and certainly something that I realised that I was speaking to a friend of mine actually on the podcast a little while ago, and he made a, he made a really great point, which was, you know, a lot of business owners have got the expectation that their team and their people are going to want to achieve as much out of their business as they are. And actually, in reality, there's got to be a level of acceptance that, whilst people will share your vision and you need to communicate your vision in a way that will inspire and motivate people to want to work for you, they're they're not going to get up at four in the morning and go to bed at midnight having worked and thought about and dedicated themselves to the business in the same way that you're going to. And that's just something you've got to accept. Yeah. Um, And, and that that's life, you know, people, 
people aren't you know that there's a certain thing that's inbuilt to business owners and higher level leaders who have pushed and charged and done what they need to do to try and reach the level that they're at particularly and and got to realize that there, there are different people are motivated by different things to what they are yeah that's um, so true and that's really true when it comes to rewards as well so you mentioned earlier that you thought running your own business was about financial gain and actually it's about freedom and so many businesses where um i know someone who owns a recruitment company and he always rewards people with holidays and weekend breaks but some people just want the cash. They're just like, I don't want that holiday. I want that two grand for the ski trip to be able to do up my bathroom or I want to go on holiday with my partner. I don't want to go on holiday with work. And other people just really want to be told they're doing a great job and that's worth thousands of pounds to them just to get that feedback. So it's really about knowing, you know, that's another simple thing, isn't it? It's about knowing the people who are in your team and what, what makes them tick and motivates them. Awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. hundred percent. Okay, cool. So we'll move now on to the final one, which is fun. And um, I'm quite serious. So I need to learn to look, lighten <laughs> up a little bit. Say, come on, you can't say fun without smiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do bring, I do bring the last for the podcast, right? But genu- genuinely, it's something I massively struggle with chilling out and having a bit of fun, right? So yeah, talk about, talk about what good examples of fun you've come across that are are great for a leader to be able to demonstrate because I think a lot of people expect a leader to be really serious all the time and everything's about achieving goals and what have you yeah I suppose so what I'd say is first of all you're kind of describing yourself as not very fun but you must have your own kind of fun whether for you fun is just lying on the sofa and watching tv or you know whatever it is there is you don't have to tell us what it is but there is something and I think just making work not too serious because who wants to go to work every day and literally just be like at their desk doing it and so it's not another thing you know another side of fun that I think when people are really trying to inject fun into the business is I worked one of my very first jobs was a graduate trainee for enterprise rent-a-car and I used to take they basically replaced cars um, for people whose cars had broken down or whatever in the garage. We'd go replace their car with the hire car. And so my job involved a lot of time in car body shops and places. And then we used to have to do this thing where we took all the guys who worked in the garages out to, for bowling evenings. And that was meant to be fun. And I'm so shit at bowling. They used to have to put the inflatable things for children in. So everybody thought this was fun. And I said, this is the most humiliating, belittling experience of my life. This is not fun. So I think it's not about doing things that are fun. And I think those kind of team building, let's all go on an assault course for a weekend. That's only really fun for the really active, sporty people, isn't it? It's not really fun for the people who don't exercise and who feel really self-conscious to be wearing a tracksuit and so I think it's just about making it uh, encouraging people to have a laugh and to have friendships within the organization and that there is it is encouraged for everybody to get on rather than for you just to get on with your work kind of you know it's kind of it's an old-fashioned approach and to, to get on with your job and but there are people who still very much kind of have their work self and their non-work self and yeah, I think it was also when I was doing these things, it was about us as individuals and just make time for fun. And that what comes into that is also self-care that we all hear 
so much about, but it's not actually that easy for everybody to find time to do yoga or whatever the self-care thing is that they feel they should go for a run or whatever, but just time to be nice to yourself, I think. Yeah, yeah, got you. Definitely. And uh, I I find fun by working out and running and getting in the gym and stuff like that, which sounds really sad, doesn't it, I suppose. But I don't drink or do anything exciting, to be fair. Um, very, very <laughs> Going boring. Going to the gym could be exciting, though, yeah. if it is you. And I think that's the other thing. Like, you know, the judgment around fun. Fun isn't only dancing on the tables in a nightclub. You know, most of, of us, course. sadly, don't have opportunities for that kind of fun anymore. True. But true. Whatever it is that just makes time for yourself to feel happy, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I uh, I enjoy reading. To be fair, I, uh, which fun fun isn't linked to reading, I suppose. But I I do enjoy a good I enjoy a good read. And um, you know, it's um, there's there's all sorts of stuff, isn't there? I suppose. And and that's I guess that's a challenge for workplaces to find activities and find ways to make work fun. Um, and to encourage friendship and and relationships and laughter um, in a workplace where where you've got a diverse work workplace where people will have different types of humour as well. Um, I, I suppose that is that presents a challenge, but certainly one that's worth tackling and, yeah. and worth worth getting into for sure. And maybe fun was the wrong word, and it is something around just um, you know having good relationships. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, because I. I think I've noticed through lockdown a couple of um, the leaders I work with have ended up doing a sort of weekly just chat with their teams. They're, they're all obviously not together and they have lots of meetings, but just like on a Friday afternoon, half an hour for everybody just to come and have a chat where there's no no work results to come out of it. It's just about checking in. And so it's kind of around being caring caring for your team and caring for yourselves amazing yeah no that's great stuff and just like that poof the time has gone and um i know that you've got a got got another meeting to get to polly so thank you so much for joining me it's been really really great talking to you about about these areas and um you know thank you so much for your insights um just for our listeners, if um, you know, if you want to go and find Polly, um, Polly, could you just sort of share with us where where people can find you and find out a bit more about your business? Yes, yeah, so I'm Polly Downs, and um, my website is pswcoaching.com. It's actually being redone at the moment, so you'll probably just find yourself on a landing page. Yeah, and I'm on LinkedIn, so feel free to get in touch. It'd be great awesome. to hear from anyone. Awesome, thank you very much, Polly, and uh, thank, thank you, Pete. No worries. And thank you everyone for listening. Really, really pleased uh, that you're here and listening to us. And uh, if you like it, please comment and like and share and tell other people to come along and have a listen and subscribe and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, join us again next week for another interview. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your time. Please do follow me at Pete Rushmer on LinkedIn or on Facebook, follow Flagship Training UK, and you can find us on YouTube too at Flagship UK.